everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Behind the Net Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Michael, and beside me is Matthew. I'm uh, Matthew Rodrigo Paul, and we are two guys who really like uh, sports. Uh, obviously, we're, we're big Leaf fans, but we also are interested in hockey, basketball, baseball to some extent, and football to some extent. So we like to talk about everything, and that's what we're going to be doing on this podcast. Yep. And uh, because obviously because we're Toronto-based, we will be focusing on the Toronto Maple Leafs and I guess other kind of uh, sports here in Toronto. So that includes the Raptors, the Blue Jays, anything else that's going on in the city, things like that. Whatever's on, whatever interesting us at this moment in time uh, will be something we'll be talking about. So be looking forward to that. So um, we'll start off for with the news of the week. Um, so first off, the Leafs. The Leafs just played... Last night, the Leafs played the Boston Bruins and unfortunately lost 4-2. to two. Yep. The night before, they suffered a kind of a breakdown after holding the lead um, against the Columbus Blue Jackets in overtime. A breakdown is an understatement. Let's just put it yeah, that let's, way. Yeah, let's put it that way. Um, thoughts? Um, well, I was watching both games, obviously, because I have to work during both games. Uh, I think the one thing I've noticed with this Leafs team, at least to start the year, maybe the, their motivation factor isn't really there. And I think there's uh, the lack of presence with John Tavares in the locker room. I didn't think it would be as bad as it, as it has been so far to start the this three-game stretch where he's not in the lineup. But it's, re- they've, it's really, not been, uh, really noticed it uh, during these last few games because, I don't know, there's just something wrong with this team's uh, mentality. and Because, uh, like, what is it? They're leading the league in goals for, but leading the league in uh, goals against. It's it's pretty rough uh, start to the season, and uh, I don't know. I really don't know what, how you can answer the problems that they've been experiencing so far without uh, really thinking long and hard about uh, some of the bigger issues. Now, what are some of those problems that you uh, think the Leafs have? Um, I think from an observational standpoint, uh, you notice they're giving a, there's a lot of defensive breakdowns. Uh, I I I think the big problem with this team is. Uh, it's not so much that their offense isn't a problem. It's not that their goaltending isn't a problem. It's that, as a whole, the team defensively is subpar. And that's not something to do with the defense that they have currently assembled. It's the best we've seen in a long time. Just the team defensively is very weak, and that just plays a lot into how they're chasing a lot of games because they always give up the first goal a good amount of the time. Um, they think that their skill can carry them to victory, even though sometimes that doesn't always work out. They're, they're doing a strategy that works well in the regular season, which is uh, just score your way out of problems. But as we've seen in the playoffs the last few years, uh, when the going gets uh, tough and when the games get tighter, uh, the offense is going to be harder to come by and it's going to make the Leafs' uh, lives difficult. Now, um, obviously, a big problem is uh, you know the backup goalie situation. I personally don't think Michael Hutchinson is the answer, but the Leafs have are in... A very unique situation where we don't really have any other options right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And I would love for us to upgrade the goaltending situation, but I really don't know where the Leafs will find that out from. Um, honestly, because again, Frederick Anderson can't be playing sixty plus games this uh, this year. He's going to be tired out by the end of the season, um, and that's obviously when the Leafs begin to struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we see the Leafs struggling right now. Is that a concern for you? Here's the thing. It is October. There are some things that are unlucky, like their PDO. I heard something's like 983, which is ridiculously low for a team like the Leafs. But at the same time, we don't want these problems to persist going into November because when you get to, uh, what is it, U.S. Thanksgiving, um, it gets uh, the going gets tougher because if you're not in the playoffs, there's a chance that you're probably not going to make the playoffs that year. It, with the exception being the Blues last year, which we we saw the, them make the dramatic comeback and ultimately win the cup, but we want to see the, I want to see progress. I want to see a consistent effort each and every night from start to finish, and we're not seeing that right now. And until we see that, uh, I think that um, after a few few more games of this continuing to happen, there should be more concern. But I was thinking when you were bringing up the back of goalie situation, I think Hutchinson was fine. But if you don't think that uh, he's going to be the answer, I think who do you think should be? I think he's effective. Um, I think he makes do. Mm-hmm. Um, he made some questionable plays when he plays the puck. 
he's kind of caused a lot of turnovers. I noticed that. Um, it's <laughs> it's it's just one of those things that you see and you're like, damn, you know, like um, you need you need consistency from your goal. You need to be able to rely on him. He made a lot of good, great saves. Like he really did. I just don't know if the Leafs can rely on him to play at least twenty to thirty games for the season. Oh yeah, Maybe especially. Did you see uh, last night's game where he bubbled the puck uh, when Tyson Bay was trying to call for it? Yeah, and I did. Uh, that that basically led to a Boston goal. Mm-hmm. Like it's stuff like that. To me, is what Hutchinson really needs to work on if he wants to uh, stay in the lineup more. Because uh, if he t- can't work those things out, then of course Babcock's not going to play him unless it's on the second half of back to backs. Yeah. And, of course, it's just the fact that we don't have any other options. And I don't think the, the back of goalie mark isn't really that um, diverse right now. And we really don't have any options with our salary cap uh, issues. Um, maybe the Leafs could make a trade. You never know what Kyle Dubas has planned down the line. But as of right now, I think the Leafs have to stick through it. And we'll have to just see how Michael Hutchinson kind of progresses. And we have to hope he improves on the kind of the areas that he's been struggling in. And honestly, we just have to hope that Anderson doesn't end up playing over 60 games because we can't. We could see that he does get burnt out near the end of the season. And oh, yeah. if we are going for, hopefully, the division, um, we can't be having that happen. Oh, yeah. Well, I think if you look at last night's game, yeah, Hudson made a lot of bad decisions with the puck. Uh, he put him, himself in very difficult situations to make uh, really tough saves. But in terms of uh, his previous games uh, before last night, the game against Boston was actually, I argue, his best so far this season. Mm-hmm. He, yes, he made some tough plays and put himself in a lot of trouble. But at the same time, he also kept the Leafs in it when they were not fully engaged and that's obviously a problem in and of itself we'll get to that another time but if we have performances like that especially on saturday against montreal which he'll get a second chance um he could be relied upon a little bit more but at the same time he needs a consistent uh stalwart uh performance in that i think yeah now i guess we'll go into the next topic surrounding the leafs Mm -hmm. mike babcock his decisions and where do you think the Leafs will be going with him? Yeah, let's just start off with the uh, the big elephant in the room, and that's the back-to-back uh, game plan. Um, we saw this week an, an example of uh, his strategy of starting Anderson the first night and playing Hutchinson the second night. And his reasoning for that, if I remember correctly, is he wants to guarantee himself uh, the two points because on the first night, your percentages of winning are the higher than on the second half, which we've seen teams struggle. Yeah. And uh, this is nothing against Hutchinson. That's just the the math checks out. But again, it didn't work out for the Leafs, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think we saw, what is it? Uh, they lost the game in overtime, and then they lost in regulation uh, the next night. Then last week, we had a game against Minnesota, which they won handily, but Minnesota's a weaker opponent. Then they go to Washington the next night, start Hutchinson, and then lose the game in regulation. I think to me, yes, most more often than not, you should start your your starter on the first half of a back-to-back. But there should be some situations where, against weaker competition on paper, you should be giving your backup the start on the first game. And we saw that not being utilized, two consecutive uh, back-to-backs. And it costed the Leafs uh, two points, I think. Yeah. Not even just on the first game, but you got to take in the opponent that you're about to face i mean let's face it columbus um is not that great of a team obviously they've took a they've taken a step down from last season losing brovsky and panarin and we know they are not a good team but i guess playing anderson obviously you would think it would guarantee a win but unfortunately it just didn't happen Mm -hmm. but you when you think about it in that way Sometimes you might want to play Hutchinson on the weaker opponent when you know you have the Boston Bruins division rival. Huge game, kind of uh, obviously sets up the division a little bit more. You would want the stronger goalie in net. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you think Babcock's decision making um, kind of of is there? Um, It's just really a tough call. But like at the same time, like, you have to recognize the schedule that's coming up and recognize who the opponents are 
and make your decisions based off of that. Don't just base it off of uh, this is the strategy that I've been going off with for a long time and this is what my try and true method is. Yes, they probably worked in the past, but this is the new NHL where we know percentages and we know uh, win probabilities. We know that what's the situation that's better for a goalie to be in. Yes, putting Anderson on the second half of back-to-back with a team in front of him tired is tough, but Anderson could have kept the Leafs in last night's game a lot better than on Monday night. And yes, obviously, we know context matters in the game. Uh, Columbus played an exceptionally good game on Monday Mm -hmm. and really made the Leafs work for it. But at the same time, it would have been better to have Anderson on the Boston game and not in the Columbus game. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Well, yeah. I mean, it's the Boston Bruins. It's a huge game. You'd want to be as prepared as you can. I mean, you know the Bruins are a strong team, and we know they have really strong offense. And you would want your strongest goalie, your number one goalie, in net. And I understand Babcock's um, decision. You know, history shows that it's it's better to try and win that first game. And once we lost that first game against Columbus, it really screwed things up. Mm-hmm. And that really set us back. Hutchinson obviously played exceptionally well. He did play very well for a backup goalie um, against the Bruins. But again, it's the Bruins. We have to know that um, we're going to be getting a big, hard-fought game from them either way. So, yeah, I would I would hope that Anderson gets to play those big games rather than Hutchinson. Yeah, and here's the other thing, too. Boston's last game before last night was Saturday against the Leafs. So they were much more well rested. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So think of the context of the schedule, like I said. When you look at the schedule, don't just look at who's coming up next. Look at uh, where they were playing before, if they were playing the night before as well, just like yourselves. Think of context, because context always matters with the schedule. And if you don't take that context into consideration, you're going to get burned. So what do you see... Um, in the future for Babcock and the Leafs? Um, this is a really tough... Uh, it's definitely a tough question. This is the biggest question on, oh, yeah. on Leafs fans' mind. This is what everybody wants to know. Everybody thinks, oh, Babcock is done. There's no way he's he's going to survive this season. It's just a tough call right now. Like, I do did uh, Babcock run his course with the Leafs? I don't know. I don't know if Babcock has run his course with the Leafs. Um, is there any ca- competent uh, coaches that are available on that's, the market right, that's the right question. now? There's not really um, coaches available for us right now. Yeah. I mean, you could promote um, Keith from the Marlies, but, again, I don't think that's what the Leafs want to do right now. Yeah, I think the main reason why they probably aren't willing to go that route just yet is because, think about the logistics of the Marlies. They're trying to develop the Marlies players down there as well. It, it'll mess up their yeah, development. Yeah, you don't want to screw up their development. Yeah, exactly. We still got a lot of good prospects down there. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to like really screw things up for them by having the co- coach move up to across the, across the street to play to coach at the Air Canada Center or Scotiabank Arena. Scotiabank Arena. Yeah, gotta I be, know. Still getting used correct. to that one. <laughs> um, and then have to re- replace Sheldon Keefe with the Marlies. I know some people are like, who cares? It's the Marlies. But the Leafs care. They want yeah, their, their prospects to develop, and they, they need to have a consistent presence. And Kyle, I think Kyle reason... Dubas puts a lot of focus on development. Just look at how many Marlies have made the jump to the Maple Leafs in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, we have top prospects down there, specifically Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren, who yeah. are actually, especially Rasmus Sandin, they are for real NHL prospects that we need to make sure they develop correctly. Mm-hmm. Here's what I think. If the Leafs really wanted to fire Babcock, they would have done it during the summer. They did That's it, what I thought. And they're going to stick it out with him for the year. If you're going to see Babcock fired, it's probably most likely going to be after this season. I would be very surprised if they fire him in the middle of the season, but of course, hockey, stranger things have happened. But that's just my opinion. I just don't see them uh, letting cutting ties with Babcock uh, until the end of the year. And it's his last year of his contract, isn't it? Oh, no, he's got a few more years. He's got a few more years? Yeah, he's on uh, year five of an eight-year okay. deal, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's definitely a summer choice, mainly because there's no better option out there right now. And I wouldn't want the Leafs to fire their coach with no backup option 
right now. Yeah. I do think Keefe would be the number one option. And I, if they do choose to promote him, I, I would feel pretty confident in that yeah, yeah. decision. But I don't think right now is the time. And I think we just have to ride out. Like yeah, exactly. Block. I think once we go on a winning, at least go on a winning streak, which is very likely to happen, I think people are going to simmer back down on the Babcock uh, needs to go tops. And I think that's just usually what happens. I think at the end of the day, winning cures all wounds. So that's what we just Definitely. need to wait on. And who knows when that happens? It could could probably happen this week, or it could never happen at all. And we'll just continue to be mad. <laughs> Next topic, kind of going off that. Okay. Um, obviously, the winning will come, and I, I really do believe that. But a lot of... The, the Leafs have hit a lot of bumps, especially with the injury bug. Yep. You know, Hyman's been out, and he's been... I think we I think we all see now his real impact on the Tavares Marner Hyman line mm-hmm. when he's absent, you know, and um, we've he's been out, Dermot's been out, and now Tavares has been out. Mm-hmm. So the Leafs haven't really been lucky, and I know I've seen a lot of people saying that you know once we get the the uh, all three of those players back, um, we will be off and running. Yeah. But you still don't see a lot of product, uh, production from our star players. Matthews has been scoring. Mm-hmm. We know that. But Marner and Matthews make up a great deal of our offensive power. And it just doesn't seem like things are clicking for either of them mm-hmm. I, right now with the injuries. And just right now with how the lines have been shuffled. It just feels like they're not really playing to the full extent that they can be. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the lines have been juggled all over They've the place. They've definitely been shifted. Yeah, especially because of all the injuries. Uh, Tavares and Marner were struggling with Kapanen, and then when uh, Moore was promoted to that line, or even Mikheyev, that line was clicking again because Mikheyev and Moore play a style that's pretty yeah. similar to Hyman, and I think that uh, that's the kind of thing that makes that line work. I really didn't think Kapanen was good um, on the Tavares Marner line, mm-hmm. but right now he's been scoring, and I'm glad because he's he's really clicking with more. Yeah, he's in a comfortable position with uh, Kerfoot because Kapanen strives when he's the shooter. When he has to pass or has to go get the puck, that's the position that he's not comfortable in, especially when he's on his off wing. He's a right winger after all. If you put him in a position where he's uh, not going to succeed course you're going to see this the exact same results it's surprising it took at least that long to switch him but i'm glad he's finally starting to show life and he has arguably been one of the least best players over these last few games definitely and i know we've all been wanting it for several years matthews and marner together but it just doesn't work mm-hmm. they're just two different types of players i know obviously one's a passer one's a shooter in theory that should easily work no problem yeah definitely yeah but it's i don't know on five on five when those are the two options for oppositions, it's okay. This is who we're facing. If we shut that down, they're done. And the Leafs really don't have much other options. A lot of that has to do with their injury problems. But when that's not working, what you should do is split Marner and Matthews up. Put Mar- Matthews back with Nylander, Nylander. which yep. is obviously we know works. I think that that line, you know, Johnson, Matthews, Nylander just works. Yep. And I don't think. Babcock should have broken that up. I don't think moving Marner up would have done anything. Mm-hmm. Marner thrives when he's uh, the main driving force of a line or when he's with a, an elite player like Tavares. And I think having him with Matthews is good only on the power play. I just don't see them working well together at 5-on-5 five five unless they actually are committed to making it work. And I don't think they're fully committed to making it work because they, they only they know that it's going to be temporary. Because once Tavares comes back, they're split up again. Oh, definitely. So, any other thoughts on that? Uh, on the the martyr pairing? Well, I want to get what your thoughts on the matter. I mean, it's pretty much similar to yours. I really do think just it just doesn't work. And I would I do think the Leafs should try moving Nylander back up to with Matthews. Um, currently, I'm checking the lines. Um, pretty sure just trying Marner out maybe with Kerfoot would work out we we don't know how their play styles might mesh mm-hmm. but at this point i just don't see matthews and marner being effective and i think a mix-up needs to happen some kind of shake up there yeah and also really for babcock when he realizes that a line's not working mid-game 
Make the adjustment. Make the adjustment. Don't wait games. Don't waste valuable points that's, in the standings. That's definitely one of the biggest aspects that people have been harping um, Babcock about is, you know, he's very slow to change his decisions. He's very slow to make changes. He's very mm-hmm. hesitant. Um, he relies on those, you know, the people call him the, his toys. He really, he really relies on the those those players that people don't usually like. Well, yeah, yeah. That's there's a reason why people were sing, were uh, singing Hallelujah when Ron Hainsey decided <laughs> I want I'm going to go to Ottawa. Yeah, and then we got, but little did we know that we would get Cody Cece <laughs> later yeah. that. Oh, Babcock has to have his toys no matter what. Yeah, of course. And he's just very hard to budge, I guess we could say that. Yep, there's a reason why this season is very critical uh, for his long-term future with Mm -hmm. the team. So I think uh, we've exhausted that topic enough. What what else have we got? So, I mean, that's what I have here for the Leafs. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I want to talk about the Raptors, the the real good team in the city right now. <laughs> Before we get to the Raptors, that too. Before we get to the Raptors, let's um. I guess since we're done with the Leafs, let's talk about the rest of the NHL quickly. Of course. Um, I guess what is your biggest disappointment? Um, so far we could obviously okay. say the Leafs, but that's too easy. That's too easy. Um, we're always disappointed as Leafs fans, though. Of course, every time they they, they lose one game, oh, they're the biggest disappointment. When they win one game, oh, they're gonna win the plan the parade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. But if we're talking about actual disappointments, uh, I have to say the San Jose Sharks have been surprisingly bad to start the year. Yeah, and we know they've lost Joe Pavelski, but mm-hmm. I really didn't think that it would make that big of a deal. Hmm. Um. Even. Even so, like, Dallas isn't doing that much better. And, you know, they picked up a few pieces, Joe Pavelski being the centerpiece of that of their offseason. Yeah. But, yeah, right, as, as it stands, they're not doing any better than the San Jose Sharks. Yeah. Like, it's, it's pretty surprising that uh, San Jose, with the team that they currently have assembled, yes, a bunch of their guys are getting up there in age, and their contention window is slowly beginning to, to close. But... You would think that in the division that they're in, that they'd at least be middle of the pack to start the year. Obviously, you'd love them to start the season off well, but it uh, doesn't always happen. But the fact that they're uh, among the worst teams in the NHL right now is very surprising for them. I just, I always see the Sharks as being one of the strong teams in the NHL. Yeah. And I think they will pick it up. Um, obviously, they went out and signed Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> they're trying to take a make him a little shake up to their slow start of the former and hurricanes legend patrick marlowe <laughs> hurricanes legend patrick marlowe um but i do think I, I do think they'll pick it up though i really do think they'll pick it up mm-hmm. um obviously they have such a strong defensive core and i don't think their offensive core really took a hit because their forward group is very strong even without joe pavelski Listen, as long as they're still in games, which from what I can tell, they have always been in a lot of the games that always. they've been in, the results will eventually come their way. And I think that just was going to be the same with the Leafs. For the most part, they've been playing well. It's just the results haven't been gone their way. And if they keep playing well and tighten up some things, the Sharks too, things will go their way. Definitely. And we'll see how that unfolds on Friday when the Leafs face the San Jose Sharks. Oh, boy. And that'll be interesting because, I mean, the Leafs have to bounce back. And what better way to do it than from a surprisingly disappointing team? Yeah, and then playing off against a surprisingly average team in Montreal the Mm -hmm. next night. Um, And you know that game's always going to be intense. Always. Yeah. Here's another tier two teams that I think also fall into that category of disappointments. Uh, The New Jersey Devils. And the New York Rangers. I gotta say, after the summer that they had, they should have been at least middle of the pack right now to start the year. But what is it? The Rangers were off to a very slow start mm-hmm. and lost very close games. And the Devils blew a lot of the leads. And six games into the season, I think they were uh, winless. Where did you think both of those teams would end up like going into the season, knowing what they did this offseason? Like, I knew that uh, they weren't going to be world beaters. I didn't think that they were going to win their division, but I at least expected them to be in contention for a wild card spot. And so, so far, uh, 
they're they're at the bottom of their division, both of them. One yeah. up, one up on top of the other. It's really surprising. Jack Hughes has been surprisingly slow to start mm-hmm. off his season. I'm not too worried. Um, again, I was reading a stat that the last player to have, the last, I guess, rookie star to have that kind of drought to start off his season was Steven Stamkos. I think he went seven games without a goal or a point, and Hughes went six games. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I mean, we know we know what Stammer's capable of. Mm-hmm. And I really do think Jack Hughes will be a great um, forward in this league. Yeah, I really think he will develop into a star. Um, here's I, what I, here's my thing about the Devils. Yeah. I think for them, it's much more disappointing because they got PK Subban. They've got all these really nice pieces and Gusev. They as made well. some great changes. Oh yeah, you know, great great pickups in the offseason. And really, this season is all hint. It's all centered around Taylor Hall's uh, expiring contract. And if he leaves, that's a huge hole on offense. So I think for Devils fans. For them, it's really concerning that they're having a slow start to the year because here's the big elephant in the room that could potentially leave us at any given moment, and we could potentially trade him away because our team's not playing well. I think that's why, if I were to actually rank who's more disappointing between the Rangers and the Devils, I'd give the Devils the edge because I know that their fans really want a good team, and they want their team to get back on track after the down year they had last year. So, like, I feel for them. I think right now the Devils might be I expected them to be I expected both teams to be contending for a wild card spot. Mm-hmm. But I thought if anything the Devils would be able to. Yeah. I do think the Rangers are still very early into their rebuild and they're still going to be trying to acquire more pieces, trying to um draft strong and I, I was gonna give them at least a, another year to kind of contend for a playoff spot. But they still look very good. Zabinajed's very strong, very strong offensively. We know that he's kind of breaking out in his own in his own right. Um, and I just I I see if if they stay in these in this ranking headed more into the season. I guess um, I guess by the deadline, especially the Devils. I think if the Devils are still not in a play like in a wild card battle, if they're not battling for a wild card spot come trade deadline i really think they should flip taylor hall and get what they can because it it really seems right now as though it's all riding on their success this season and if they if they're not even in a playoff spot you don't want to lose them for nothing that's a former mvp right there Mm -hmm, exactly and just to add to your point about the rangers they do have some really nice pieces on offense Uh, panarin was a huge get for them kako is going to be a stud in this league for quite some time and their defense looks much better. Their Obviously, defense looks much better, especially with Adam Fox and um, Truba. Those two pickups were very, oh yeah, very good. It's just really it comes down to is their goaltending uh, going to be able to keep them uh, in games? We we know Lundqvist. Lundqvist was has been exceptional for a very long time, but he's getting up there in age. We know Gergiev can have his moments, but is he the future? Of the Rangers goal netminder, there's a crease. I can't speak today. Yeah, I just think I think they have some development to do still. Yeah, and I think they they have very great pieces right there. Um, I just think they need to. I think they 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 could have some more time. Yeah, absolutely. and I think it would be great. Absolutely. Uh, let's flip the script, uh, the switch, uh, and talk about teams that have been the most surprising. Uh, I think we've got two pretty easy picks. Uh, Edmonton, why don't you go off of them? Edmonton Oilers. We all know. Yeah. And the Buffalo Sabres. And we both know both of those teams to be historically bad. Um, no offense to them, but they have been struggling for the last however many years, honestly. They've both been kind of stuck in rebuild mode, um, except for, I guess, the Oilers had that one off year where they made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And everything was looking really bright for them. And then it just crashed and burned all over again. Um, I, I'm really surprised by Buffalo's start. I knew that they were going to be a better team than they were last year, but I didn't think they were going to be this good to start the year. So good for them, I'd, I'd say. And for Edmonton, I think that their top lines are really clicking right now. And I think oh, that definitely. plays a lot, a lot to do with it. And if I remember correctly, I saw a bunch of games that the Oilers are getting outshot heavily, and their goaltending is basically keep, 
saving the game for them, and then they just get timely goals. Mike Smith, Mike Smith is actually such a clutch goalie. Oh yeah, and I think we all know that. And you know he's old, but he still <laughs> always has it in him. And I think that whole swap. I think Calgary's really thinking about the deals they've made with Edmonton. You know that's why you always gotta be careful with trading with a divisional rival because they just traded um, James Neal. Mm-hmm. who completely flipped the switch and is just ripped, ripping apart the scoring race right now. And good for him. He definitely needs that after the year he had last year. Definitely. Like, uh, he's, I, I hope he continues to keep up his pace, or at least half of it for, for the rest of the year, because the Oilers desperately need scoring. I don't see him being... I mean, I, I could see him slowing down, but if he can, if he can get 20 goals on the season, at least. Mm-hmm. That's an effective trade compared to Milan Lucic. And that's just, the at least 20 goals is exactly what the Oilers kind of need to pitch into their uh, offense. And they have a competent uh, GM who actually wants to find and has shown to find key pieces for cheap. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Oilers really need if they want to ensure that this hot start is not just a, a mirage and just like an early season blimp on the radar and something that's actually sustainable so i hope that uh for both this buffalo and uh edmonton that their starts are sustainable and not just like uh oh they got off to a great start but uh they didn't actually make the playoffs uh what happened there kind of thing now how do you think the how long i guess do you think the oilers run will go or where do you think where do you see them finishing off um i think i don't know what their schedule's like because i it's just hard to keep track of every yeah. single team. But what I can tell you is that uh, they really need to show that uh, their their early schedule, like they definitely took advantage of their early schedule. Because from what from I remember, someone was saying, uh, "Oh, they have a pretty easy schedule," and they took full advantage of it. And good for them. That's what we got to do. But when the schedule and the game schedule gets a little bit tougher, like the opponents that they're going to face are going to be a lot uh, more tougher to for them to face that'll be the true test of like is this team for real that's what that's what i think and the same thing for buffalo they they have been had a pretty fairly easy schedule all things considered and they got their california trip out of the way which is good for them so i think we're just gonna have to see how they play out i'm very interested to see how both these teams do yeah and i think I, i really hope the oilers make the playoffs and i can really see them making the playoffs i actually hope for both teams to make the playoffs but when we're talking about the Oilers, um, they have McDavid. McDavid is a cheat code, basically, and I don't. I never want to count on the Oilers, and I really think him and Drysdale can lead that offensive group, um, kind of really carry them. And I do see them making the playoffs this year. Maybe somewhere floating between a wild card spot and maybe third in their division, somewhere yeah. around there. Their division is pretty winnable too. Yeah. Let's 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 not kid ourselves. Specific division. If you uh, have a good spot in there, your chances of winning the cup go up. Because if I remember correctly, they said Vegas has one of the best uh, chances of the cup because they're projected to be second or first in their division. Mm-hmm. So, I think Edmonton they have a really good shot here to make the playoffs. Buffalo is going to be a lot tougher because the Atlantic Division is probably the tightest division there is. But. Uh, I think they're at least in the in the mix now, for yeah. sure. The Pacific Di- Division is really, um, it, it is really um, kind of easier for a team to get through. And when you look at it, Edmonton does have a, if they keep this up, they have a very good chance of finishing in the top three. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I have them somewhere in between wild card or third. Um, we know Calgary and San Jose is kind of, trended downwards but i'm not counting out either team and i feel like they'll they're just built better yeah absolutely but the sabers um the sabers as well i do i think they've always had the pieces to make a run i just don't think it they just kind of collapse mm-hmm. um i i really do the show think they show signs of brightness and i think they just need to keep it rolling like they have amazing pieces i think dolan will kind of break out more this season um i really think he has really high potential and i think they'll that he'll tap into that this season and i think they'll just be overall a better team 
it's just good for the league to have more competitive teams in the Atlantic Division because there's a lot of established franchises there. And I think to have Buffalo back in the mix is good for everybody else in their division because it just gives them like, okay, this is not like a cakewalk for us. We have legitimate tough opponents we have to face all the time. So we really need to step up our game. That's exactly what I <laughs> yeah. say. But anything else in um, terms of hockey? I think I think we've pretty much exhausted everything for hockey. I, I'm I'm really excited to talk about uh, basketball. The other... Yeah, exactly. Basketball. Toronto's a basketball city. I mean, it's always been a basketball city, but now Toronto is known as a basketball city. Oh yeah, we are the champs. And uh, there's a banner that has proof of it and rings too. And rings. And last night we got to see those rings. We got to see the banner. The banner is so nice, honestly. Oh, and yeah. The ring is crazy nice, and I can only imagine how much that costs. <laughs> Probably costed my entire life savings for sure. Honestly, the the amount of diamonds, and I, I I heard that it's the biggest ring championship ring ever. They wanted to make it big. They wanted to make it big. Um, of course, because we're a big country. Do. Of course, <laughs> of course. And um, I guess we'll talk about that a little really quickly here. Mm-hmm. So the Toronto Raptors faced the New Orleans Pelicans last night. And the Pelicans are completely new-look Pelicans. Very young, but they were missing their star player, Zion Williamson, the number one overall pick this past draft. Um, Obviously, kind of a generational talent right there in the NBA. Um, But the Toronto Raptors, we know they were going to take a step back from last year. Even though we're the defending champions, losing your star player and losing your starting uh, shooting guard was a big step back. And we know Pascal Siakam took big steps um, and he kind of has to assume that number one role right now. And we know Fred VanVleet is trending upwards. We know Kyle Lowry is pretty much Kyle Lowry, but he is trending downwards and we just re-signed him. So we have him for another year at least. And the Raptors kind of struggled in this game. Yeah. I didn't get to watch the entire game. I only saw about uh, from the from the end from the about the end of the third quarter onward. So, to say that I was surprised by how New Orleans was playing is a kind of an understatement because this is no disrespect to New Orleans, but at the same time, the Raptors should have done better in this game. And yes, I know it's a lot to ask, especially with the Kawhi and Danny Green list team, but. You would think that the Raptors would have put up a much better uh, fight in terms of just really pull, putting the game away in the fourth quarter. They really let New Orleans stay in it, and yeah. that game was much closer than it should have been. And if it wasn't for, what was it, that Fred Van Fleet shot uh, late in the, yeah. in, in the overtime, yeah, yeah. That, that, they probably could have actually lost that game. I mean, the Raptors, they won it in overtime, 130-122. to 122. The fact that they had to take it to overtime with the Zionless Pelicans um, is kind of concerning. The Pelicans I actually feel like they're going to be a very strong team. I actually think they're better built right now than when they had Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. I think that whole Anthony Davis trade just got them a lot of good pieces. Brandon Ingram, I I loved him in L.A. I thought he had huge potential. He had some injury issues, um, but he went out and scored 22 points last night, and that's just a glimpse of what he can do. Um, Lonzo Ball also acquired in that trade. A little a little questionable. Um, he only scored eight points. Let me see a stat line. Five rebounds, five assists. Obviously, he's a pass-first guy, though, but I thought his assists would have been higher. And obviously, he is defensive, but I just I, I didn't really see a lot from him. Um, and I saw them fumble the ball a lot. I think the Raptors were dominating the Pelicans, but we just... It just wasn't there for the Raptors. Yeah, especially in the fourth quarter. Did you notice Drew Holiday was really taking over that game, uh, really getting some key shots up and really uh, keeping New Orleans in the game? Yeah. And also some clutch uh, baskets from J.J. Redick towards the end. Uh, it's really New Orleans, after what I've seen, like, yes, I only saw a bit of it, but I agree with you. They are a much better team than people are giving them credit for. Uh, I do think that uh, they are going to surprise a lot of... A lot of uh, NBA analytics this year. I th- I think that they're kind of reminding me of the New York Islanders in terms of the fact that uh, they're a team first mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what you have to do to win basketball games. Mm-hmm. 
And if you can do that, you're going to win a lot of games. And credit to them where the credit's due. They really uh, made the Raptors earn that win. Definitely. And I think that they're going to at least be in the mix for the 7th, 8th seed in the West. And I think that that's a huge, huge step up for them. I think, I don't know, because the West is so, it's just so stocked. The West is so stocked. I could see them being ninth, just out of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But that's a huge step for a young, very young team. I really do feel like Lonzo Ball can break out. Um, I feel like he's matured a lot. And I feel like he's the past first point guard that um, Zion would benefit from. I think once Zion comes back, they'll do better. Um, and I think, obviously, again, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Zion Williamson, um, those guys and Lonzo Ball, they all have to really develop still. Um, so I, I really think being ninth seed or like finishing ninth in their conference is an amazing step forward. And I think once Zion comes into his own as a star in this league and he can lead a team, I think they'll start really making an impact probably within the next two years. But right now, they they are looking good. They gave the Toronto Raptors a run for their money. And I just want to see how the Toronto Raptors will um, kind of progress. Because, again, the Toronto Raptors are, I really feel like they are in good hands. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it's hard to tell because Fred Van Vliet and uh, Pascal Siakam, we both know they're huge players. They're still huge pieces. And they're young. And they have a lot of room to grow. And they both went off last night and scored 34 points. Um, that's that's huge. That kind of shows me, like, yeah, we might have lost Kawhi and Danny Green, but they are kind of ready to step up when they're needed. I will say this. I think this year for the Raptors, it's going to be a transitional year where they the veterans start to hand the keys over to the young guns. And I think last night was a pretty good example of that, uh, where the likes of uh, Gasol... Ibaka and even Kyle Lowry weren't uh, the main driving forces of the team's success. It was really the younger guys. Uh, obviously, Siakam and Fred Van Fleet, like you said, were exceptional. And uh, what was it? OG had an all right game, all things yeah, considered. 11 points. That's good. And that's, what was it, his first game in months? His first regular season game um, after missing pretty much all the playoffs. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. And I think that that's really the end of the day. This is proof of it we're going to be seeing the young guys really take over this team the older guys are going to be phased out gradually and uh eventually it's going to be completely taken over by the young guys like i said and i think that that's what's going to make this year very interesting it's just how the balance of the old guards and the new guards are going to mesh well with each other and how that really plays out over the regular season mm-hmm. I think the Raptors are in a very unique position right now, one that I haven't seen ever, really. I think we could finish, I think the Raptors could finish anywhere third, fourth, fifth seed in the East. And I say third, as high as third, because really it's just about how weak the East is, more so than how good the Raptors are. I see Milwaukee and Philadelphia being one and two. And then I see Toronto, could, we could be third, but hmm. I could see Indiana doing good. Um... I can see Boston being good. And really, we can slot in. Any, and can't forget about Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving now. I mean, Kevin Durant's still out, so it's just a Kyrie Irving-led team right now. But you never know. They went to the sixth seed. Uh, they, D'Angelo Russell took them to the sixth seed last season. Who knows what Kyrie Irving could do. And don't count out the Orlando Magic or even the Miami Heat. Those are two teams mm-hmm. that might make uh, things very interesting. And the, he has um, Jimmy Butler now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Should be should be fun this year for the East. I hope it's a little bit more balanced. But, it's a little uh, more competitive, for sure. Yeah. But let's move over to the West, because uh, there's a, a fun guy that we really need to talk a little bit about. Of course. So we had the matchup that everyone's been waiting for all offseason, pretty much. We had the Los Angeles Lakers versus, uh, versus the Los Angeles Clippers, and that's LeBron James and Anthony Davis versus Kawhi Leonard and pretty much just Kawhi Leonard because Paul George was out. But um, the Clippers ended up defeating the Los Angeles Lakers 112-102. to And let me just pull up some stats here. 
while you're looking it up, I gotta say, yeah. I only watched a few highlights, but I have to say it was pretty competitive, uh, especially looking at the box score. It was very competitive, was and bad. the atmosphere was great. From what I heard, I heard Kawhi got booed. Yeah, he did home. get booed, and and it, you know, I I I'm waiting for the Clippers to get their own arena because I think that's a, kind of an annoying problem. They're listed as a home game. Um, it's supposed to be Clippers home court, even though they play on the same court. <laughs> yep. Um, but Lakers fans just showed up um, way more. Obviously, we know that the Lakers are way more popular than the Clippers, and it was pretty much a Lakers home game, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but they treated it as a Clippers home game, but the Clippers took the win in the end. And both teams were really re- led by former Toronto Raptors. Kawhi Leonard went off for 30 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists. And for the Lakers, Danny Green led the team with 28 points. He really caught fire there and was just going off, really. After after a playoffs, a questionable, play, questionable playoffs where he really he, he played great during the season, last season for the Raptors, but I think he could have stepped up more in the playoffs. But it's okay. I mean, we, we got the championship. Well, haven't I heard that Danny Green is a very streaky scorer? Like, he'll go through stretches where mm-hmm. he's absolutely unstoppable from, from long range. And then there'll be times where uh, he just can't find anything to go his way. For sure. And I think that's just really what it is with Danny Green. Danny Green is, at the end of the day, he's a decent starting uh, shooting guard. A very, very effective backup. But he's a streaky scorer. And I think that that's really... But all it is, you can do. You can't really do much about it. Just hope, hope he catches fire at the right time. He's definitely an effective shooting guard, though, and I'm. Uh, I think he was a pretty much the best available pickup for the Lakers, and we'll get into this a little soon. Just how the Lakers break down, but overall, I really think this Clippers team is the real deal, and I know you do. That you you think that too? Yeah, I think they're really well built. They uh, well, what was it last year? They made it into the playoffs without Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah, and they team. they really gave the Warriors fits. So when you add Kawhi and Paul George into the mix, they're going to be a, a nightmare for everybody in the Western Conference. I think this is the, this might be the team that uh, breaks this Clippers curse that has been going on mm-hmm. for a very long time. And how do you think the Lakers are doing? I mean, they they there's a joke going on online about how you know they tweeted out for a preseason game when they beat the Warriors. They they tweeted out consider this a warning to the NBA. <laughs> and now everyone's kind of mocking them that the Clippers just beat them. And um, a, a Paul George-less Clippers as well. Um, it's pretty much led by Kawhi Leonard against LeBron and AD. Here's what I think. I think the Lakers are the prime candidate to disappoint this year. And this is no disrespect. 100%. They have a really nice team. Let's not kid ourselves. They're definitely going to do better than they did last year. But at the same time, it's also really top-heavy. They are relying on LeBron James, who is 34 and just had a pretty rough year injury-wise. They're relying on Anthony Davis, who is at his best right now. And they also have some decent pieces, but really it drops off from there. Their team, very top-heavy. They spent on their top... I guess they're top three players, and I guess you can have Kuzma, but he's on a very cheap deal right now. Um, and then they just picked whoever they could. They could they they signed whoever they could. They they built their team through, um, through free agency, with whatever cash they had. And I read I read a tweet. It was kind of funny, but it was it was it was kind of true. The Lakers are looking like a LeBron James injury away from just being the Anthony Davis-led Pelicans. And in a way, you got to think that if LeBron's not there and Anthony Davis is the only star playing, they have a average to above-average shooting guard. Um, and then it really kind of drops off. I guess you could say Kyle Kuzma is very effective as well, but I just don't see him um, playing, playing under um, both AD and LeBron will give him less. Um, space to work with, I feel. And um, I just feel like after that, it just it really drops off. And I, I just don't think they're depthful enough. And I really hope they don't get any injuries. But when you look at the Clippers, again, they, um, I think I told you this before, the Clippers 
um, were a playoff team, a very young playoff team. Yeah. And they added two star players to that playoff team. The Lakers were a kind of disappointing team, not a playoff team with a superstar. And all they added was one more star. Yeah. Like, they're going to be better than they were last year, and let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. But at the same time, they're going to... If if they get injured, if if LeBron James goes down, LeBron James is Iron Man. Like we know, he doesn't, he he he'll he'll play. He doesn't mm-hmm. get injured often, and I really hope he doesn't get injured. And I really hope Anthony Davis doesn't get injured. But we know Anthony Davis has had injury issues in the past, and we know LeBron James is getting older. And I just don't know. It's going to be very difficult, and that's. It's kind of a trend I don't like in basketball right now, and I think the Toronto Raptors have broken that, but people still can't seem to see past that fact that being so top-heavy in basketball worked for so long with the Golden State Warriors, and then the Toronto Raptors with a depthful team defeated a very top-heavy Warriors team. And I I really hate that excuse that people are saying they weren't completely healthy Mm -hmm. because, yeah, you lost like um, two or three All-Stars. Um, if you can't if you count boogie, but you still have two um, very effective <laughs> superstars in your lineup, and I just think that wouldn't be an issue if you just build your team a little more depthful. Yeah, exactly. And you have to also keep in mind with this for the Lakers, they're in a very tough uh, conference. Uh, we've already mentioned the Warriors. Let's not forget the Rockets, who've got Harden yeah. and Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Nuggets are always going to be a threat. Uh, What's it? The Timberwolves might be a threat. Blazers are going to be good. Blazers, are gonna Kings be good. are going to be much better this They're year. They're going to be better. And Spurs and Jazz can't forget about them. We know the Pelicans. Oh, of course, the Pelicans as well. So good. the Lakers. This is definitely a very tough outing for them. We think, oh, they're going to easily make the playoffs as a sixth, fifth, sixth seed. How do we know that? This is a very tough conference. If they go through one bad losing streak, and like you said, one, one injury. bad injury, one bad injury, they're going to be. Uh, they're probably not even going to make the playoffs. I mean, Anthony Davis is in his prime. Um, I do believe he can lead a team, but in the West, it's very hard to lead a team. And he couldn't do it with the Pelicans. Um, and really, we just hope they don't fall to injury. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if anything, they would be the team to kind of disappoint, but let's just hope they don't. I, I, I really so. want to see the Clippers and Lakers rivalry be a real thing. Yeah. But the Clippers are my p- uh, picks for the... NBA champions this year. I think that that's a very fair uh, guess because like they look real. Even, even if the Bucks or the 76ers make it to the finals, that Clippers team is much better built, and they're probably going to uh, destroy said team in five games. I mean, we just we just saw it. Paul George is out. Kawhi Leonard takes charge. If Kawhi Leonard is out, maybe Paul George will be able to take charge. And if both of them are out, I really still feel like they have a strong team that clearly just went to the playoffs last uh last year mm-hmm. and i think they could hold up if they did get injuries a little more than the lakers could how funny would it be if the Raptors and clippers met in the finals and the Raptors won that would be that would be funny <laughs> that would be funny and pascal siakam goes off and Kawhi just thinks he should have stayed and then we, that's a dream <laughs> there's gonna be so many chance of we didn't we don't need you i that's, bet that, <laughs> no i think we'll i'm we'll getting too ahead be. of myself thankful for Kawhi though <laughs> yeah, of course so um do you want to talk about world series of course to... yeah i think that that's a good place to uh end off like yeah because the world series uh, just started last night and uh it's between the astros who everybody expected to be there and the nationals which no one saw coming but it was a really good game last night from what i saw i only saw bits and pieces of it but it was a pitcher's duel from what i can remember yeah some clutch hitting from uh, star players on both teams. I think Springer got a home run. Juan Soto got a home run. A couple of doubles, singles for both teams. But it was really a tight game. And the Nationals came out on top. And I think it should be a fun World Series. People are counting the uh, Nationals out. And they said, oh, this is going to be the most lopsided uh, World Series ever. Because Astros are going to win four straight. No, I don't no, think so. We, I mean, that's obviously not going to happen. Of course not. As we know now mm-hmm. but i think this will be very interesting we got an underdog in the nationals fresh off losing bryce harper and kind of you know kind of showing him the middle finger 
we we don't need you right there <laughs> and they make it all the way to the world series and they are definitely the underdog here but then you have the kind of the big beast the houston astros and i really yeah it's just gonna be very entertaining um i think i think the nationals have what it takes to go all the way mm-hmm. and they played a great game last night um but again i'm not gonna count out the astros i really think this could go to maybe to the right till the end yeah i think seven. so too i think people think oh it's gonna be close it's, it's it has the close. makings of being a classic that goes the distance and i think that that's what you want in baseball two teams playing at their best against each other going all the way to the limit and i think that that's what people that's what we're going to be seeing who's and, your who's your pick for the um World Series, I, I think the astros are still the favorite I do but too. like i said it's going to take seven games i think it's going to take at least six i i think there's a good chance of it going to seven i do think the astros will come out on top though if not that's just going to be a big blow to them if they if they lose it honestly mm-hmm. okay so just to wrap things up uh, let's do a quick uh looking forward to head to what's coming up next uh obviously the world series uh game two is we'll tonight the, on the day of this recording mm-hmm. um who do you think is going to win game two um i think the astros will b- bounce back i really do um i just i think they'll pick it pick, pick things up back like back up again mm-hmm. it should be a good pitching duo i think it's Strasburg versus verlander yeah. Yeah, yeah i think it'll definitely be low scoring like we could see the astros winning three to two if it's a blow, I would be totally surprised. I don't think there will be any blowouts this uh, this whole series. I really don't think there will be any real blowouts. Um, yesterday's game was five four. Um, I wouldn't consider that a blowout. Like, yeah. I really think they're going to keep the. I think it's going to be close, maybe one or two runs between each game. Yeah. And I really don't think it'll go any more than six like runs for a team that a team gives up in a game. I think that's a very fair guess, and I, I agree with you. I think the Astros are probably going to win tonight's game if the nationals steal home field advantage uh, that's huge that's yeah. going to really change the uh title of the series for sure uh let's look ahead to the raptors uh if i'm not mistaken they've got they've got back to back yep coming the up. celtics on friday and then the bulls on saturday and i think the i think they have a good shot of winning both games mm-hmm. um a quick prediction is just i don't see the celtics being better than they were last year I actually see them taking a step back, but not much because I think Kemba Walker is just as effective as Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. But I've never really felt like that Celtics team was like the real deal, mm-hmm. and they have an above average. Actually, yeah, Kemba Walker is good. I, I really think Kemba Walker is very good. Um, but again, I feel like he's very just close to Kyrie Irving in terms of effectiveness, and I don't think they really change much. And I think that's a team that the Raptors know that they can take out. I think for the Celtics, just quickly bring this up uh Kyrie Irving was trying to be the guy because like I know he had a very messy exit from Cleveland because yeah. he really wanted to be the guy that guy and yeah. that's what he wanted to do in Boston and now he's going to a team where this year he'll be the guy but next year he's I think gonna he's gonna be on a- I think he's faced he can't be the guy um but he's okay with being a 1b to a 1a mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's I think that's what Kyrie Irving is going to be and I think if once he accepts that he'll be a good fine player I think Kemba Walker is a is Boston's 1A. It's not the best 1A you could ask for, but I think they're going for, again, they still have, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown still developing, and I think especially Tatum will be very good mm-hmm. and continue to progress. Um, and I really think they're just kind of a middle-of-the-pack team, and really anything goes. They could they could still win, or the Raptors could still And I think Kemba Walker has a good team-first mentality that I think that'll really be beneficial for the Celtics team that's really uh, talented in terms of their depth he's a great uh, guy yeah. yeah exactly and i think that that's probably a better fit than uh, Kyrie was and I, I mean i hope the charlotte hornets could bounce back as well oh, of course michael jordan runs that team um they need to do something about that they have like nobody right now but i think if they can get some lottery luck yeah they they need to turn that franchise i around. think that that's what we can expect from the charlotte hornets they're gonna be one of the worst teams i think the they're NBA gonna be year. the worst team in the nba this year uh I think they definitely need a first overall and, pick to go their way. Yeah, and I think, if anything, Kemba kind of showed there that he could lead a team from pretty much mediocrity to some being somewhat good. Yeah. And I think he is the, still the right fit for Boston to keep them in um, in the playoffs. I just don't think they would they will be 
you know, more than the middle of the pack team. Yeah, should be fun for the Raptors to to face off against uh, Friday night. Uh, I think that they have a good chance to win that game. The Raptors uh, Saturday, I think they've got a, they can win that game too. But again, it's on the second half of back to back. Other other Bulls rested and going into that game, I don't know. They probably are. Mm-hmm. And the Bulls are a very, I have high expectations for them. They are developing very well, and I really think they could match up well against the Raptors. We saw in preseason. But again, we didn't have our starters playing that game. Mm-hmm. But they still showed that they can ball out. Yeah. And I think the the Bulls will be right there contending for a playoff spot. I think they could be 8th seed for sure. Um, I think they'll be right there. And honestly, when it's coming off a of back-to-back, I think um, the Raptors will want to take it a little easier because it's the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really think it can go either way. Absolutely, I think the I think the Raptors could steal both wins though. I, I think it's definitely doable. They could also go one and one, and going zero and two is definitely doable too. And that's I obviously don't want them to go zero and two, but like this is basketball. Basically, you have to come ready to play every game, and uh, if you're the better team on paper, you're more unlikely going to win. My my prediction though is, I think we'll lose to Boston, but pick it up against uh, Chicago. I think I think you could see the opposite. But they wouldn't beat Boston and then lose to Chicago the next night. We'll, we'll see. It could go either way. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. And then finally, we got the Leafs. Uh, another back-to-back coming up, and then a game against Washington on Tuesday, and then they got quite a bit of rest. Yeah. How do you think they should do the back-up-to-back situation? Since we started off with that, let's end with that. Um, I really think Babcock's. I think Babcock's can go with. The usual routine, play Freddie first. I think with these two teams, I really don't mind which way because I know San Jose is still a strong team, and I know, you know, I I, I feel like they're poised to just break out again, and I hopefully it's just not it doesn't start Friday where they start <laughs> winning again, and that's why I would want to be prepared. I want I, I would want Anderson playing that game. But then you think, what's the next game? And Montreal is all Montreal Toronto is always a very intense game, um, and I don't want to slip up against the Habs again. Exactly. So I really think it can go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could choose, I think I would keep it at how Babcock does, and I think Hutchinson can handle the Habs. I think they're, I think they're more easier to predict than the Sharks because I know the Sharks have really effective players, and we're just waiting for them to get a hold of their their winning ways here's my here's my thing i agree with you to some extent that they should just start uh uh what is it anderson on the first night but the sharks are going to be playing the night before in montreal okay. and they'll be coming to toronto the next night so they're they're coming off their back-to-back yeah so in that sense i think starting hudson might make more sense mm-hmm. to me at least but we obviously know what babcock's going to do just think about the logic of it if it makes if they're if they're gonna be tired, play your uh, backup, and if you're gonna be tired in Montreal, play Anderson because you really want to win that game and they embarrassed you on home ice a few weeks ago for sure. And you want to extract revenge on their home ice divisional rival exactly historical rival. You don't want to give them any more points than they they already have got exactly. I, I think that that's really a tough call. I think we're pro- that's I want to see Hutchinson start on Friday, but what we're gonna see is Anderson start on Friday. I think that's the case. Yep, for sure. I think for me, it could go either way. I I really don't think we can go wrong either way. I just we'll see how it plays out. Oh, um, and last thing, um, what do you think Babcock should do with the lines? Do you think he should shake things up? Absolutely. I think uh, they should uh, swap Matthews uh, off the Marner lo- with Marner and put Marner with Kerfoot and Neilander with Matthews again. Mm-hmm. Because that first line, Matthews, Neilander, Johnson has always been reliable it works no need to switch that up i think what we need to change up is below that where is marner going to slot in um and who's i guess kerfoot is obviously replacing Tavares, but how is that replacement going to happen but i don't think that first line should move at all let's just put it this way matthews and neilander works marner obviously works well with Tavares. he's he can't do much about it until he comes back just work it out with the what you know works best don't just keep trying out the same thing and wondering why it's not working. Just and, uh, make the changes when you ha- know they have to be changes. Preferably keep capping in with more because 
Kapanen's going again, and that's what we need, especially after he wasn't that productive with Tavares and Marner. So, Absolutely. For sure. I think uh, we've gone on quite a bit. Uh, yeah. I think it's a good time to wrap things up. That was a great first episode, and I look forward to... Hopefully we do this every week. I hope so too, yeah. We will. And uh, I guess that's it. Do you want to sign I, I think we should... Uh, I think if you want to... If you like what you heard from us, uh, we're going to try and do this once a week, uh, hopefully. Um, if you want to keep hearing us talk about sports, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at the Leafs IMO, where I mostly talk about the Leafs. But I'm always interested in other sports. Mine is, my Twitter is at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. And you can follow me there and maybe hit me up. We could chat about the Leafs. We could chat about the Raptors or sports in general. Of course. And we can talk about how Babcock makes us angry all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Thank you guys for listening to episode one of Behind the Net Podcast, and we'll see you soon.